This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Every day, there are countless books and articles that are published offering the key on how to make your business a success. It's easy to feel overwhelmed trying to keep up and run your business. That's why Deb Creer created the Business Power Hour. Keep up on the latest trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And I am so excited to talk today with my guest because we're going to be talking tech. But I also am talking to someone that I met on this great networking site called Lunch Club. It's been something that I've really used fairly extensively once the pandemic hit. I don't have to put shoes on. I don't have to get dressed up. And I get to meet people from all over everywhere. So if you're interested, just let us know and we'll be more than happy to provide that information. But anyhow, back to the matter at hand. Please join me in welcoming Bill Bolden to our program today. How are you doing today, Bill? Oh, today I feel great. Thanks for asking, Deb. It's wonderful to be on the program. I love it. Well, let me tell people a little bit about you and then we will jump into this. So Bill Bolden is a fractional CTO from Buffalo, New York. They take ideas from conception to production, launching tech startups. In their spare time, they are a DJ and a producer known as Down Upright. So again, Bill, welcome. I feel welcomed. Thank you. Um, So I'm Bill Bolden. Uh, For those of you listening at home, I prefer they, them pronouns, if you can help it. And Mm -hmm. um, I am, as stated, a fractional CTO of between six and nine tech startups, depending on how you count. Mm -hmm. I love it. Well, people always like to know how you got to where you are today. So tell us a little bit more about that. Well, I've always been very interested in startups. My first programming job out of college was for a startup in Mm -hmm. the internet advertising industry. Um, And I worked there and put in my time mastering my craft. I went from being a junior developer to a mid-level to a senior to a full stack. Wow. And then after I left that company after seven years, I took the plunge into a fresh startup um, Mm -hmm. called Clearview Social, Mm -hmm. where I was the CTO and founding engineer for Mm -hmm. four years. Then I had a couple bad bets. Uh I'd had some, some great startups that worked out. Then I started um, looking for the next thing after Clearview Social, went to a company called Transparency Registry. No dice. Six months after I got there, they ran out of capital. Oh. I went back on the market, found another startup. Mm-hmm. Two months after I started there, they ran out of capital. Mm-hmm. So I started realizing if I'm going to keep looking for full-time employment, mm-hmm. but but work at these very early stage startups where I'm the founding engineer, 
I need to be prepared for them to continuously run out of capital because that's just the game. Right. These are people who are starting a company with 50 or a hundred thousand dollars in their bank account and Mm -hmm. it goes fast. So um, I reevaluated my market proposition and said, well, you know what? These folks think they need a full-time Silicon Valley CTO to build their product. Mm -hmm. They really don't. What they need is to see to it. Their product gets built. Mm -hmm. I can meet them in the middle on cost for Mm -hmm. a fraction of the time. Mm -hmm. And instead of costing a quarter million dollars a year, like some Silicon Valley bigwig, I can charge between five and $15,000 a month for a portion of my services. Mm -hmm. And if it's enough to get their app out the door, then they've been served and it helps their money go that much Mm -hmm. further. So I established one client in this model, another client in this Mm -hmm. model, and they just started steamrolling. So now, um, depending on if you want to count some ones that I'm still sort of like half involved in, it's somewhere mm-hmm. between six and nine. Cool. Um, yeah. Well, and and I love you know, the, the, the term fractional because you're doing a fraction of your time. You know, it's it, it, and and obviously it's going to vary between. Um, you know, with the, the, and it, it may vary day to day as to who's, who's getting a little bit more of your time, things like that. Obviously, time management is a big skill that you need. But yeah, I mean, so many startups, they don't even think through things. Clearly, one of the biggest things they don't think through is money. Um, you know, they think, hey, we've got the greatest thing since, you know, whenever the pet rock. I always like using pet rock as an example. And, you know, and, and, and they think everybody's going to want to buy it, but they don't. Think about how they're going to get from here to there. And, and, you know, and so they don't have the money. They don't have the resources. And, you know, so many times with startups, and I've talked to business owners like this all the time, they think that they have to be the smart one. And and hiring out means that they're not smart enough. And to me, hiring out means they're smart, you know, because they know that they they need to to reach out and really fill their team with the best possible people they can get. Yes, one of the common startup mantras is hire all people smarter than you. Mm-hmm. You want to try and keep it so that you're the you're the least brilliant person right. in the room, because mm-hmm. then you will rise to the level of the people mm-hmm. you surround yourself with. Right. Um, so you actually touch on one of my uh, theories that I give when I give my uh, recurring talk, which mm-hmm. I did just in a webinar yesterday. Mm-hmm. I call it, if you build it, they will come itis. <laughs> um, so to a founder, they are so close to the problem that needs solving mm-hmm. that they assume that once the app exists for it, that the world will be the path to their door. Right. And the example I always use is an avid rock collector. We're going to, mm-hmm. we're going to keep, on with your pet rock. We've got this rock theme going. Yeah. We've got this rock thing going. Uh, making a social network for people who like to collect rocks. Okay. You can post pictures of your rock. You can comment on other people's rocks. You can mm-hmm. buy or sell rocks, which is how the app makes its money. They make this app and they think, well, every rock enthusiast in America will get on it and I'll have, it'll grow a hundred users, 200 users, a mm-hmm. thousand users. And then they're surprised after they sink in a hundred grand to build the app and they're sitting at five users and no mm-hmm. one's posting. Right. And so what I encourage the founders who work with me to do is to pilot a no code solution mm-hmm. to building community to prove right. that their marketing channel works. Mm-hmm. So I often tell them, 
can you build out a Discord community mm-hmm. or a subreddit okay. or a Slack mm-hmm. to a thousand people? Mm-hmm. Prove that you have a thousand people in your network mm-hmm. of rock enthusiasts who will act- actually mm-hmm. post in this Discord. And then we'll see, because if you can't get a thousand people to sign up for your Discord, how will you get a thousand people to sign up for your right. app? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and a big part of it is my specialty, marketing. You know, they have to figure out who it is that they are marketing to, you know, who is that avatar? Because it could be that rock collectors aren't tech savvy. You know, they, they still might want to write everything down in a journal, you know, using an app or using Reddit or something like that might not be what, what they are comfortable doing. So maybe you need to kind of take a step back and go, okay, well, let's, you know, let's do that as step two, but what are we going to do with step one? Right. Step one is you validate product market fit. Mm -hmm before you sink six figures into building out your software. Right. Every or even time. one or two. <laughs> you, know, you, you shouldn't be spending any, you know, really, I mean, you need proof of concept, obviously. But but yeah, don't be don't be going to three figures if you don't know that that it's, you know, at least somewhat viable. Exactly. Um, and that touches on something else that I uh that I teach um which is uh that there's a real big conception of um, you need your own app. You need, you know, your custom own thing in the app store. It's amazing how much you can get done with a website hosted Mm -hmm. on Webflow, Wix or Squarespace Mm -hmm. that's glued up to a type form Mm -hmm. that's glued up to an air table. Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of people launch six figure businesses that way without ever having to write the code themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and, and, I tell people, you know, when you're starting out, do it as inexpensively as you can, you know, whatever it is, you know, now, now granted, there are some things that you don't want to cheap out on, um, you know, but other things like, you know, even if it's just something like social media platforms, okay, get on LinkedIn, but do the free version, uh, you know, all of those various things, because then you have your money to spend where you should be spending your money. Um, you know, I've, I've had people who've said, oh my gosh, you know, I've, I've invested on LinkedIn and I'm on their sales navigator and I'm spending it. And I'm like, is it getting you anything? Well, no. And I say, okay, then, and then I see, I mean, you know, you can back off on your profile, but, but yeah, people, and, and that's, that is part of that pre-planning. Where are you going to market? How are you going to market? You know, all of those things that, that somebody needs to walk a, a business owner through. Exactly. And that's, um, when I take on new clients, I often start with my package called the Power Hour, okay. which is a one-hour immersive session with mm-hmm. research before and research after, mm-hmm. um, but an immersive hour where mm-hmm. I'm at the person's disposal, and the chief question is, should we even build your app? Right. right? So mm-hmm. it's an investment of a one-time fee for me mm-hmm. for my consulting to potentially save you right. 50 grand or mm-hmm. be like, oh, did you know? Mm-hmm. For instance, and this is just something I've come across, mm-hmm. there is a startup that automatically generates Airbnb clones. Mm. So if you're trying to make Airbnb accept it's for renting mm-hmm. uh, tractors, mm-hmm. you can use this share tribe, it's mm-hmm. called, to generate a ready-to-go app where people can list, buy, and sell their tractors. Cool. And so I know about a dozen things mm-hmm. like this. 
There's one that generates Instagram clones. Mm -hmm. There's one that generates social networks Mm -hmm. and communities. Um, A lot of times you can buy one of those pieces of softwares. And if you're willing to sacrifice some of your secret sauce, Mm -hmm. like, no, you won't get to design every screen. You're going to be right. Mm -hmm. You might be able to brand it. You might not. Mm -hmm. But you can, you can absolutely um, do proofs of concept that way. Right. You know, and, and it is so important to do those proofs of concept because again, we think, you know, Hey, we've got the greatest thing in the world, but it, and it might be the greatest thing in the world, but if nobody buys it, it doesn't matter. Well, that comes back to product market fit mm-hmm. where um, I always tell the founders who work with me, I almost always like the idea. Mm-hmm. There's only been one or two times I haven't liked the idea. Right. The product is always great. Mm-hmm. But I tell them what sets them apart and what I hold out for mm-hmm. is a great market. Mm-hmm. So I don't even sometimes care what your product is. Mm-hmm. If you've identified a hot market, mm-hmm. like you're like, I know the right. way in to mm-hmm. this particular class of Gen Z mm-hmm. Instagram users, mm-hmm. I've got the secret sauce for marketing to them. Mm-hmm then I'm very interested in building mm-hmm. out your product because I think it will succeed. Right. Well, and aside from anything else, it shows that they've done a lot of the initial thought and planning. Yes, exactly. Um, yep. You know, and it's, it, it, you know, it's hard when we're starting a business or even, you know, if it's been an established business, we want all the bells and whistles. You know, like you were saying, people say, oh, everybody should have an app. Everybody should be here. Everybody should do this. And, you know, that's great if you're a company that's gigantic. But if you're a small company, you might not need all those bells and whistles. And, and you know, there are definitely things that you should do so that people take you seriously. Um, you know, and, and I think that's that's one of the things. And even just, you know, some some basic things. I remember years ago, I started my company 20 years ago. And I met with this this wonderful business consultant who told me things like, you know, that was when you really could, and, and you know, people still do this, but I don't understand why, print their own business cards at home. You know, and I, shoot there, you know, you can get 700 for five bucks on websites. I mean, you know, why, why, wanna, why do you want to do this at home? But, you know, they, and, and they said, because it's a show that, you know, having a professionally done is a show that you are professional. So you even said things like, don't use stamps, get one of those postage meters, because that, you know, that lasted for a while because I had to rent it and I went, ugh, this is stupid. Um, but but yeah, other things like, you know, make sure that, that you know, you, you know, obviously there are some legal aspects. Make sure you are a real company. Do you, you know, do all of those things, register with the secretary of state, you know, some things like that, especially if you're going to be taking in money yeah, or figure out, okay, here's how I'm going to do it on my taxes. You know, we've talked about stuff like that on, on other programs. But, you know, I'm not going to spend my money, whether it's $10, whether it's $10,000, with somebody that I think might abscond with it or just, you know, is doing this as a hobby. Right. You, uh, you mentioned something that brings me to another lesson I often teach about, which is defining MVP downward. Mm-hmm. So MVP is your minimum viable product. Okay. And when I work with founders, Mm -hmm. they have in their heads a finished product, Mm -hmm. something that is as rich and robust as Airbnb. Mm -hmm. But you think about how many millions and millions of dollars it's taken to Mm -hmm. build out Airbnb Mm -hmm. with all their safety controls, Mm -hmm. 
messaging features, Mm -hmm. escalation, support desk. Yep. I can't do that for you in your 50 to 100 grand budget. Right. Mm -hmm. So we're going to define MVP downward. Mm -hmm. And what I tell people is we're going to figure out what is the first thing that we can possibly make that does the unique business offering Mm -hmm. that is safe Mm -hmm. and isn't embarrassing. Right. Meaning... It can have bugs because all software has bugs. Oh, yeah. I mean, have, you know, when, when Apple and Microsoft announced that they have bugs, you know, <laughs> okay, I guess I can have a bug in my app. Yeah, exactly. But so um, in a case of our pet rock app, our rock social network will be mm-hmm. like, okay, what's the first thing we can get out there? And it'll be mm-hmm. like, all right, what if there's a screen where you can log in mm-hmm. and you can make a profile for your rock? Right. And you can purchase a rock from another user. But then that brings up safety, mm-hmm. which is something people don't think about. Right. So when you're DMing another user, mm-hmm. if you allow DMs in your application, mm-hmm. there will come a point where people harass each other through DMs. Right. Mm-hmm. So you need to have blocking and reporting control. Right. Yeah. You know, you, you don't want somebody saying, hey, you're an idiot to just, <laughs> or worse, obviously, to, to somebody else. Yep. So once you have that safety mm-hmm. and then it looks a little polished, not mm-hmm. perfect, but a little polished. And once it's got the rocks on it, you're good to go. And right. that should honestly take mm-hmm. four to eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and I always tell people, you know, those disclaimers and, and rules are there to protect everybody. You know, they're there to protect the business and they're there to protect the owners or not the owners, the, the customers, um, you know, and, and, you know, another thing that you might want to put in there with, with our rock example for safety is, you know, you don't want them, you know, if they're exchanging rocks, you know, be very careful about where you're meeting. You know, you can't yeah. tell them, okay, don't meet at your, oh yeah, I mean, you could tell them don't meet at your house, but you can encourage them to meet in public places. Um, you know, things like that, because again, we've got some ne'er-do-wells in this world, who, you know, might try and, and do something that you don't want. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it, and it might be worth it to spend a little bit of, of, you know, that that budget you've got in talking to some attorneys and saying, okay, what do we need to put on here so that if something bad happens, I'm not going to lose my business. Right. That's, that's perfectly put. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, the thing I see most dropped when planning an MVP is safety related features, mm-hmm. but that means you're not CYA right. for when the trouble does come to your mm-hmm. doorstep. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and as we said, it's protecting your end users. Um, you know, and, and obviously you also want the, the features in there um, with your money being protected. You know, if you're doing money exchange on the site, I want to make sure that my credit card is not going off to never, never land. And somebody's going to go to the Bahamas on it. Well, a key thing that I counsel my clients to do is use best in class mm-hmm. third party developer plugins mm-hmm. to handle things like that. Mm-hmm. So if you're a startup, mm-hmm. now this changes at scale. Mm-hmm. If you're going to come out of the gate doing 500 million in revenue a year mm-hmm. and you're a megacorp, mm-hmm. then by all means build your own payment. Right. Mm-hmm. But for these small companies mm-hmm. that are just getting started, just integrate with Stripe or Square. Mm-hmm. They made it very easy for the devs. All mm-hmm. the devs need is one API key mm-hmm. and they can send credit card numbers mm-hmm. to Stripe securely for processing. Yep. 
And it's a lot less likely that Stripe will ever be breached mm -hmm. than it is that your little rinky-dink software mm -hmm. might one day be breached. Right. So you're just doing the best mm -hmm. by your customers right. by using that yeah. service. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've uh, on our sites that, that we manage, we've moved away from PayPal and are using Stripe, um, you know, and, and I mean, PayPal's, you know, you don't really hear about it being hacked all that much anymore. And, and obviously nothing is 100% secure and safe, but Stripe and, and Square, they do seem to be doing things better. And, you know, kind you know, as you said, you want the best in class, you know, do your research a little bit. Sometimes, you know, the, the, the newest flavor of the month isn't what you want to be using. You know, I was uh, uh, working with somebody the other day and they wanted me to, to Venmo. Okay, that's fine. I've got the app on my phone. But, you know, I, I told them, I said, do you know that, that you know, there's extra fees that the, the user has on that? And she said, what do you mean? And I said, last time I Venmoed you money, I, I was charging an extra 10 bucks. I said, then I Venmoed you 20. So that was you know, 10 bucks on a $20 charge I was not happy with. Now and she hard. had no idea. It was just, ooh, everybody else is using Venmo. Yeah. Um, uh, there's some other examples of best-in-class software that you can use uh, for your startup. And I'll just run through some quick ones for any listeners who are planning on building their own right. startup. Mm -hmm. Although, like I said earlier, please talk to me. I'm totally mm -hmm. available for consultations. Right, because things change. And, you know, and the nice thing is, they change for the better. We get more and more that work better and better. Right. For usernames and passwords, mm -hmm. you shouldn't be storing those in your own database. You mm -hmm. can use a service like Auth0, which integrates with your site and stores all usernames mm -hmm. and passwords securely at their location, mm -hmm. as well as handles social sign-ons, like mm -hmm. sign in with Google, sign in with Facebook. Cool. Um, so you don't have to write that code yourself. Another great one is if there's any legal side to your business and you need to execute contracts. Don't build your own contract sending software. Use either the DocuSign or HelloSign APIs. Mm -hmm. Now, DocuSign is kind of the market leader in signature software, but HelloSign has actually a much developer-friendlier API, yeah. so I prefer it. Um, they're both great choices, though. And then other things, like if your software is going to send text messages to users, mm -hmm. don't code that yourself. Use Twilio. Right. It's the perfect service for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and, and the, the the idea here is that why reinvent the wheel when the wheel already works really well? Yep, exactly. And so every minute your developer spends coding custom emails to mm -hmm. be delivered on behalf of your app mm -hmm. is a minute you could have just bought SendGrid instead for mm -hmm. much cheaper than that developer is costing you. Right. You know, and, and all of, you know, is, especially the ones that, that are the, as you said, the best in class, they, they do allow some to a lot of personalization, you know, all sorts of things. And so you can, you know, people, the, the cool thing is, and people don't realize that they're, they've left your site or that they're, you know, that you're using something else. It's just all built in and, and seamless. Yep, exactly. And uh, the more of these tools I learn about and get familiar with, Mm -hmm. the, the faster it's making my turnaround too. Right. Like mm -hmm. my last app took about three weeks mm -hmm. because I was ready to staple together off zero right. with Mixpanel, mm -hmm. with serverless Lambdas, mm -hmm. with Twilio, mm -hmm. bam, bam, bam. The only thing I had to write was the glue that holds all those four things together. Mm -hmm. And now I've got a new app. Right. And you just proved your point. 
as to why people need to hire someone like you, because all of that just went above my head. I mean, you know, it was like, I don't know what all that means. But the important thing is knowing an expert who you trust, um, you know, and, and so, you know, when, when someone is looking at doing something like this, you, you don't hire the neighbor kid. <laughs> you know, the neighbor kid might have built an app, might not have built an app, you know, college intern. This is something that it's just like with designing your website and, and other things. You do want to spend the money to get it done right. Um, you know, you know, as, as Bill has been saying, you know, we've been talking about security uh, as utmost. I mean, you want to protect your users. So you don't want to have have cheaped it out. Exactly. They say there's nothing more expensive than a cheap developer. Mm-hmm. Although I've heard the same quote about lawyers, accountants, and, and marketing. marketing. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but yeah, I think especially with software and and apps and things like that, you are paying for what you get, you know. And okay. and so you know, it's cheap is not usually the best thing that that you want to do, um, you know. And 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 you certainly don't want to be somebody's, you know. Hey, I'm going to learn how to do this type of thing. No, uh, you should. If unless you're doing something extremely technically ambitious, mm-hmm. like you're doing something AI related, right? Then you shouldn't be figuring it out as you go. You mm-hmm. should be getting someone who has already brought a dozen products to launch right. and just knows the steps and mm-hmm. who can look at your project and say, "Okay, I see mm-hmm. your project. We're going to do A, B, C in mm-hmm. that order. It's going to cost you this much. It's going to take you this long." and Tell me when you're ready to fire the starting gun. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and and it, it is, as I said, it's definitely worth doing your research and knowing, you know, a, a, at least a little bit about some of the terms. Um, I remember, and I've, I've said this a couple of times on the program, when I was uh, getting my master's degree many years ago, it was a cohort program, which meant we had no choice in the classes. You know, they we started the program. It was all the same students and all the same curricula. And one of the classes was video production. Now, this was long enough ago that you went into the studio, you had the big cameras, you had the soundboards, you had, you know, all, it looked really cool. Um, but, you know, now we do it on our phones, right? But um, all of this stuff and, and, you know, little me, because I'm always one of those people, puts my hand up and I tell the instructor, this is not anything that I ever really want to do. And, and, you know, kind of like with algebra. So why do I have to learn how to do it? Right. And, you know, and, and he looked at me and he said, are you, would I ever be in a position where I would hire someone to do it? And I said, well, conceivably. And he said, then you at least need to know the basics so you can know if they're doing it right or doing it wrong. And that made sense to me. Yes. That it's always a good idea to keep another coder on staff who's unrelated to the project. Right. Just kind of a fact checker almost type of. You need someone to be able to do what's called a pull request Mm -hmm. and do a review of it Mm -hmm. and just go through and be like, oh, security vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Oh, you forgot to check if that field has a negative number in it. Little things like that. And and you you get there through experience. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, before you launch it to the world, have people test it, Um, you know, and, and, and have them test it with the thought of breaking it. Um, you know, like putting in a negative number or, you know, three decimal points or something just to see what, what the, you know, what the app or the, the system does when you deliberately try and break it. 
yeah, to, when you're on your new pet rock app and mm-hmm. you're listing a piece of feldspar, right. try putting in negative 20 for the price. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The app takes it. Mm-hmm. Little right. things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just get used to after you've been a developer long enough. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, of course, somebody's going to try and make the price ABC. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not a number. <laughs> or more importantly, what happens if they try and make the price euros or you know something like that you know are you and 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 which it very well might be depending on what you're doing you know where we are an international market anymore so what happens if people do that or, or even something as simple as and i've come across this numerous times their phone number you know maybe you've made it where it's required that they put in their phone number but you only do it for a u.s format plus one Yep. 10 digits. Mm-hmm. Yep, you're going to miss out on people from yeah. Belarus. Right. And more importantly, if they can't do it, then then they're going to go, well, why fine? I don't want to do this at all. And they go on to, to the next, you know, rock place. The project I just finished almost released like that with mm-hmm. that exact problem until our product manager in Poland tried mm-hmm. to sign up for the demo yep. and couldn't. And we were mm-hmm. like, ooh, good mm-hmm. catch. Mm-hmm. Right. Zip code and country. Another thing that, you know, you because, you know, they don't use zip codes. They, you know, and, and all sorts of things. Yeah. So have somebody at least think about it, um, because more than likely you will have international guests and, and purchasers. And, and so, you know, you want to make sure that they can use it just like anybody else can. Yeah. Um, and uh, I would say, though, that I do caution founders against worrying about internationalization too soon. Right. Yeah. Because more than likely that's not going to happen unless you're designing something very specifically for that. Well, it's simply um, cost prohibitive to make your software multilingual. Right. So if you Mm -hmm. want the site to also have a selector Mm -hmm. where you can use the whole site in English, Mm -hmm. Spanish, Portuguesa, Mm -hmm. um, you're doing the development work three times over mm-hmm. and it's, it's a lot and it's not mm-hmm. a place you can spend your money when you only have 50 grand to go. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You know, I was working on a site one time and, and they sold, you know, the, the product that they sold, they sold in other countries and we had it translated, even though the countries they were selling in primarily spoke English, we had it translated and, and, you know, we went to people because, you know, you can't, you can't rely on software all the time. You know, we had it translated by natural native speakers of that language, um, you know, because you, you mentioned Portuguese. Was it Portuguese? Was it Spanish Portuguese? I mean, because, you know, I discovered there's differences. Um, and, you know, and, and so if you're going to do something like that, that and I'll tell you, that was not inexpensive just for it was, you know, a two page thing that somebody was buying. And, you know, to make sure that we didn't say your mother wears army boots, you know, we, we had it go through a translator. Um, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that uh, I often recommend can wait until mm-hmm. phase two, not right. a part of MVP, unless mm-hmm. it's core to your product. Right. If mm-hmm. you're making a language translation software, mm-hmm. by all means. Mm-hmm. But in that case, why aren't you just using AWS's pre-made right. translate mm-hmm. web mm-hmm. service, mm-hmm. which will already exist and do it for you? Mm-hmm. Right. And of course, AWS is the big guy. Um, you know, for those who don't know, it's owned by that little company called Amazon. Um, you know, and, and so they're, they're pretty good at international stuff. 
Yes, and you'd be amazed how many uh, Amazon web services there are. There are probably close to 300 now. Oh, I know. They do all manner of things. Mm -hmm. Some of them very technical, like Mm -hmm. spinning up virtual servers or Mm -hmm. running serverless lambdas or doing inter-system communication. Mm -hmm. But they also have this excellent suite of AI services. Mm -hmm. They have one called Comprehend, Mm -hmm. which can take any block of text Mm -hmm. and extract the meaning from it. So you could fold in, you could type in a sentence Mm -hmm. and have it supply a sentence like, Deb is really great and an awesome podcast host. Mm -hmm. And it will spit back out, okay, the subject here is Deb, Mm -hmm. the mood is positive, Mm -hmm. and Deb equals podcast host. It'll remove all the uncertainties Mm -hmm. of language and extract what the meaning really was. Mm -hmm. And at one of my previous social media companies, we were able to make a tweet sentiment analyzer that could alert you if people Mm -hmm. were talking crap about Mm -hmm. you on Twitter mm-hmm. because we could detect negative sentiment mm-hmm. in tweets right. using Comprehend. And if, if you're a company where you're getting a lot of either influencers or, or whoever talking about your business, that's an important thing to have, especially if they're saying bad stuff. Yep. That's just one example. Mm-hmm. They have their recognition API, mm-hmm. which you can supply an image to, mm-hmm. and it will tag all the things in that image. This is an Apple. This is a Oh, girl. I love it when they do that. Mm-hmm. Now, that one's pretty controversial Mm -hmm. because it also can do facial recognition, Mm -hmm. which is of dubious ethics in today's society. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because people can take images and and then, you know, do all sorts of things. And, you know, the whole thing with creating the fake videos, um, you know, that's the I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's interesting and scary at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. there's a there's a company fighting in this area to stop deep fakes called mm-hmm. uh, TruePic. Mm-hmm. I learned about them because I coincidentally had an idea for a very similar business, ah. and then after researching it, found out that they owned several patents that would apply. Ah, I was kind of like, well, at least you found out before you dumped a lot of money in it. Yeah, exactly. You always got to do your research, but um, TruePic makes software for camera phones Mm -hmm. that logs the contents of the camera to the blockchain so it can never be falsified Mm. and proves that it came from the hardware phone on the camera and wasn't digitally manipulated. Wow. Wow. It's kind of scary that we have to worry about stuff like that, but you know, it's, people have been doing things like that forever. I mean, you know, even if you're just talking about, you know, voice impersonators, things like that. I mean, you know, they've, they've done things like that, but to bring us back on subject, you know, one of the things that of course AI is used for, and especially in apps are the chat bots. And I love chat bots when I know I'm talking to a computer or a person. I mean, you know, if I can't quite figure out why, and, and, you know, I mentioned lunch club in the, the start, they have a chat bot. Um, and clearly, you know, and I don't know how many thousands of users they have, they, you know, lunch club has, has really grown. And so they can't, you know, they probably can't staff it like they would like to, because they are still just considered a startup. So I, but I wanted to know why, when we, uh, schedule lunch club meetings, it's only Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, because actually Monday, Tuesday work better for me. So I go to their little chat feature and, um, and I send a you know, little message. Now I knew I was probably talking to an AI and not a person. And so I worded it very simple, very basic, you know, why can't we, and, and I got back a very basic response. Um, and, and it was something along the lines of this is how we started. We may expand it in the future. 
okay, you know, really didn't answer my question. But then it said, would you like to speak with a, a human? I believe is how it put it. Would you like to speak with a human customer service rep? And, and I liked that because then if I wanted to go further, I could. Um, you know, and, and so their technology was at the point where it could, could differentiate between the two. And I really like that feature. And that's something that I think a lot of app and, and software developers, you know, they come up with their frequently, you know, their, their list of frequently asked questions, but then they forget that somebody's going to go, well, yeah, but. <laughs> and, uh, just for the, for the wannabe, um, software founders out there. If you would like to add features like these to your own application, mm -hmm. the thing you want to use is Intercom, ah. which puts a live chat bot on mm -hmm. your website that starts with AI-based conversation, right. mm -hmm. but then escalates at the end of that mm -hmm. conversation to a human. So mm -hmm. Intercom is the third-party plugin that does this. I love it. Yeah, because there are, you know, I don't care what business you're in, there are basic questions that you know, or even if you're just trying to determine which department somebody needs to go to, you know, is it a sales question? Is it technical support? Is it, you know, whatever that those basic questions can be answered by the computer as opposed to a person, you know, with the, the, the one you, you probably, did you ever watch laugh in? You probably, you know, where, where Lily Tomlin was the, the operator and she would say one ringy dingy two, and then she'd try and answer their questions. Well, you know, you, you know, that's that, again, that's, you know, you're going to save money by not having that real person there. But at some point you do need the real person. There's a very successful startup in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I'm friends with the founders of called mm -hmm. High Operator mm. that makes an intercom-like chat product mm -hmm. that seamlessly merges AI suggestions mm -hmm. with human oversight. Cool. So when you're talking with a High mm -hmm. Operator bot, mm -hmm. you're actually speaking with an AI and a human at the same time, ah. and they can go much mm -hmm. faster. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and and we do still on occasion need those human people. Um, one of the favorite things that I see on Facebook is, you know, the, the, the picture of the child with a phone and it's screaming, you know, cussed a real person. <laughs> you know? yep. and, and you know, and, oh, I'm like that all the time, you know, flight gets canceled or, you know, something. And I'm like, I just want to talk to a real person. You know, I'm sorry that your AI is not <laughs> going to do what I need. I just want to, I mean, and, you know, and then you start pounding on zero on the phone. Right. <laughs> you know? um, but, but yeah, having that, that little human interaction in there is, is a great thing for people to consider. Yep. And that's part of building a startup is customer mm -hmm. success or customer right. support. Mm -hmm. You need to have a plan. Uh, I typically encourage the founder to sign up for Intercom mm -hmm. and do customer support live right. at all mm -hmm. hours on the website. Mm -hmm. And if they don't like it because it makes too many demands on them at all mm -hmm. hours, they are not giving enough for their company. That's mm -hmm. <laughs> so right. what I basically right. say. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It's always all hands on deck. When when Clearview Social was just four people, mm -hmm. the four of us took shifts rotating mm -hmm. to answer questions on right. Intercom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and it, it's interesting. Just two programs ago, I talked with Dave Avrin, who is a customer experience expert. And, you know, which is a different level than, than customer support. And, and one of the things we talked about was things like, you know, you go into a restaurant now. And this started, you know, started a while ago, but really picked up, obviously, during the pandemic, where there's not a menu, a physical menu in the restaurant, there's 
a little piece of paper that's got the QR code on it. Great. I mean, you know, you're, you're able to change your menu every day, do whatever. But then you get this little itty bitty menu that my old eyes can't read. <laughs> you know? And, and then I get really frustrated and, and, you know, we went into a place uh, a week or so ago where that was the thing. And, and it, it you know, it, the nice thing was theirs was so sophisticated that the QR code was table specific. So they knew that, you know, I was table eight and, you know, and, and, and I put in my, my credit card. I mean, I did all of that stuff, but it took probably 10 minutes because I kept stopping and talking and, you know, doing all sorts of stuff. And, you know, those who wanted their beer and their water right away were getting really frustrated because nobody walked up and said, can, you know, can I get you something to drink? It was all completely automated. And so they kind of hit the fail button on that. It, again, it's just, you know, you need kind of that, that human and technology type of, of interaction. So this is something I talk about with UI, UX, mm-hmm. and CX. Mm. So UI is the user interface. Mm-hmm. UX is the user experience. Mm-hmm. U or CX mm-hmm. is the customer, customer. experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and what it means is you look at an example like Tinder. Mm-hmm. So on Tinder, the UI is the way it's designed and how you swipe. It looks mm. a certain way. It's this okay. pixels. It's these mm-hmm. colors. You swipe left and right. Mm-hmm. The user experience is one of, I'm going to find matches. Mm-hmm. I'm going to meet with people. Mm-hmm. This is my user story. Mm-hmm. I'm here to meet people. The customer experience is that I go on a date and it's really bad. And the <laughs> guy is a jerk. Mm-hmm. And now I never want to use Tinder again. Mm-hmm. And so even though, the devs and the people who built Tinder mm-hmm. are not responsible for making sure the date is good. Mm-hmm. In a way, they kind of are. Right, because, because it's all tied together. So in this case, everything software-wise mm-hmm. had a nice UI and UX. Right. You were able to bring it up on your phone. It mm-hmm. looked pretty. Mm-hmm. You were able to place your order. Everything mm-hmm. worked. Mm-hmm. But the customer experience was still a very bad one. Right. And so, um, you know, at the end of the day, you have to make sure that this rock app we're building mm-hmm. has the best rocks on it. Mm-hmm. Because um, part of your go-to-market is going to be like supplying a thousand rock vendors mm-hmm. or else you might not be able to control that the rocks people sell are very ugly. Mm-hmm. And that would be a bad customer experience, even though technically it's mm-hmm. not your problem. Right. Yeah. And of course, anytime somebody has a bad customer experience, they, you know, get their phone out and they go to whatever social media platform they're using. And it's, oh my gosh, this was the worst thing in the world. Don't ever, don't ever use that rock platform. Don't go there. Don't do that. Um, you know, simply because somebody picked the wrong rock. Yep. And so um, I tell my companies that, I can control your UI and UX. Mm-hmm. I can't control your CX, but you are ultimately responsible for your CX. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That customer experience, because, you know, it, it, still, no matter what our level of technology is, word of mouth is still our best way to get information out there. You know, I'm, I, I can see something multiple times, you know, ads, whatever, but if somebody I don't even know says something on Instagram about, hey, this is a great or a bad company, I'm going to believe them. 
Um, you know, and, and so, yeah, word of mouth really is just, and so that customer experience is just absolutely crucial. Yep. And that's, uh, you know, coming back to me and a little bit of self-promotion, mm -hmm. that's how I get most of my business is referrals yep. because I do a good job launching mm -hmm. these products. So mm -hmm. I have a good customer experience where mm -hmm. the people are like, Bill Bolden built our platform for mm -hmm. us. We're happy with it to this day. Mm -hmm. We yeah. recommend Bill. Right. And yeah. They just do a great job. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that's, um, that's how I get all my business. So I'll be the first person to vouch for the power of referrals. Mm -hmm. Right. Plus it's cheaper. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> back to, back to that expense stuff. Well, speaking of that, what's your biggest professional success? What have you, what did you, you know, think was, Oh my gosh, this was fantastic. Um, I would say there's a couple. Uh, first off, like any startup veteran, the definition of a success is an exit. Right. Uh -huh. And so um, I have one exit under my belt, and mm -hmm. it was Clearview Social. Mm -hmm. um, and so I consider that a great personal and professional mm -hmm. success, having been the CTO there for four years. Mm -hmm. I was not the CTO at the point in time that it exited, but mm -hmm. I helped get them to that point. Cool. Um, I also am very proud of the work I did with Hello Audio, which is mm -hmm. one of my startups, mm -hmm. which is a podcast hosting platform. I've heard of like, them. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. They do really cool things with podcast mm -hmm. hosting where mm -hmm. they serve private podcasts mm -hmm. that aren't public mm -hmm. and you can individualize the feeds, mm -hmm. which you can't do anywhere else. Right. You can actually make a choose your own adventure mm -hmm. um, feed where by listening to one episode, it says, Hi, Deb. Welcome to your custom feed. Cool. You get access to secret episodes that don't mm -hmm. appear in other people's players. Mm -hmm. It is some of the coolest code I've ever written. I bet. I'm mm -hmm. very proud of the system that mm -hmm. runs Hello Audio. And even though I'm not there anymore, I have very fond memories of going through the Techstars program mm -hmm. with them. So that's another personal and mm -hmm. professional success of mine is the Techstars cool. program. Well, you want to share one of the ones that you went, oh, uh. <laughs> I would have to say um, my biggest professional regret is transparency registry. So transparency registry was a consumer protection product mm -hmm. for helping banks securely manage mortgage debt oh. on the blockchain. Mm -hmm. And when I was brought on board, it was because the product had been in development for 18 months mm -hmm. and still hadn't been released. Ooh. And I found out that the devs were having way too much fun with the blockchain. <laughs> so, so they weren't wanting it to proceed. Well, they, they weren't doing things like designing the user interface screens mm -hmm. that a user would use. Mm -hmm. They weren't doing things like building out the business logic that let mm -hmm. you upload mortgage debt. Instead, they were spending their days honestly having fun by getting to nerd out on very specific things in the blockchain. Mm -hmm. so they built their own hash algorithm. They built their own consensus algorithm. Ooh. They had all these internal debates about mm -hmm. like what the blockchain storage mechanism would mm -hmm. be. Um, all this stuff that didn't relate to the mm -hmm. health or success of the product. Mm -hmm. And so I came in, put a stop to all that, mm -hmm. and got it to launch within six mm -hmm. months of coming in just in time for the company to run out of capital. We released and mm -hmm. we ran out of capital about oh. two weeks later. So oh, we no. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, I mean, those, those are painful. And, but, you know, it was like you were saying at the very start, you learn from those, you know, and, and my, my thought is that, you know, there's really no such thing as a failure because if you should be learning something from it, um, you know, and, and, and yeah, we just need to learn from the, maybe not our mistakes, but we can learn from someone else's mistakes. I learned from my own mistakes too. I, um, the big thing I learned was to stop seeking full-time employment if I want to work for pre-launch products. Right. I yeah. launch products, mm-hmm. but if you, if you're not live yet and have no revenue, mm-hmm. I should not sign a contract that says I am now your employee for this much in wages mm-hmm. and salary. Oh yeah. Because I'm going to get the rug pulled in three mm-hmm. months. Well, and, and, and that's going to go for many of the, and I'm putting this in my air quotes, the employees. I mean, they the, the company should be hiring consultants at that stage because they don't need full-time people, you know, and, and it doesn't matter whether it's tech, sales, marketing, HR. I mean, you know, we can do an awful lot with consultants and, and save money, but still get really top talent. Yep. And I like to think of myself as one of s- such consultants. Mm-hmm. Um, if you reach out to me about, any work or potentially helping take mm-hmm. a product of yours to production. I have a deep network of other mm-hmm. fractional CTOs, ah, mm-hmm. fractional CMOs mm-hmm. that I will be happy to refer you to. Mm-hmm. You can build out your whole new startup using a fractional CTO, mm-hmm. fractional CMO, fractional CFO, mm-hmm. and get all these people for a fraction mm-hmm. of fraction of what right. they would cost if you were trying to raise a mm-hmm. million dollars in pre-seed capital mm-hmm. to Silicon Valley way. Right. Yeah. Because for the most part, we really don't need full-time employees as a startup. I mean, you know, you've got one, the owner, <laughs> you know? and, and even at that, they might not be doing it full-time. You know, they might still have their, their day job um, because they need an income, they need insurance, all of those things. And, and so it's, you know, and I think that's probably one of the biggest mistakes that I see companies make is they bite off more than they can chew. They really do think I have to have employees. I have to rent space. I have to do all of these things. And, you know, shoot, it, it before COVID, we knew it was a virtual world. Now we really know it's a virtual world, um, yep. you know, and, and so why not take advantage of it? I am flying to Amsterdam in three weeks oh. for a company summit for my mm-hmm. Dutch client mm-hmm. on well-being, mm-hmm. where I will finally get to meet the people I've worked with for a full year. Mm-hmm. Um all my companies are remote. Mm-hmm. I've never yeah. met Jerry and Lucy and Zaid mm-hmm. and Robert and Kevin, mm-hmm. but I'm. Uh, we're all meeting in Amsterdam mm-hmm. in three weeks to finally put faces to names. Oh, that'll uh, be great. Mm-hmm. Really looking forward to that. But I just want to mention this to, to go to show mm-hmm. that the company's two years old and it's been fine without people meeting in person. Yeah. You, you mm-hmm. really don't need that. It's mm-hmm. a perk. Right, right. Yeah. You know, and it, it's, and even big companies are, are doing that. Um, you know, it's, it, it's amazing how we really have discovered that we don't need to be in the same place. Now that said, I am a firm believer that, you know, many times those side conversations, you know, by the coffee machine, in the hall, in the elevator, whatever, sometimes lead to the greatest things. And we don't have those when we're not in an office. 
but you know, it's just, I think the benefits far outweigh, you know, being, being in one physical location or you do the hybrid, you know, you do all sorts of things. Um, I, I actually have found that the end of water coolers has also meant the end of water cooler gossip. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And a waste of time, whether they're gossiping or not. Mm-hmm. There's something about having to type it out in Slack yep. where like you might say a crappy mm-hmm. thing about mm-hmm. coworker X Mm-hmm. But can you really type it out and put right. it in writing? Mm-hmm. Or, or a Zoom call that might be recorded? You're, you're not going to say the mm-hmm. negative thing. Um, and so uh, the last place that I worked in person mm-hmm. had a pretty rotten company culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was in large part due to water cooler talk. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, a lot of backstabbing, mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of why I moved on from that mm-hmm. place. But my last 13 or 14 companies have all been virtual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that about the only ones who really have panicked about are those micromanagers, you know, those folks that really wanted to walk in and see what was on your computer screen. Um, butts in seats. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. they really want to know that your butt is in the seat. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and the companies that have really figured it out have, you know, gone to the fact that, well, you know what, you know, Bill gets done in three hours what he was doing in eight hours in an office. So we don't care because he gets the work done, you know, and, you know, and, and, you know, and, and, and they, you know, they, they are doing the work, all of those various things, or maybe it's that you're able to work in the evenings, you know, all of these various things. So businesses have gotten a lot more flexible, you know, part of it is, yes, we're all of a sudden in multiple time zones and, and things like that. But yeah, you know, they look at it and they go, you know, hey, Bill can get this done at any point in time. We're certainly not going to tell them that they can't do that. Um, you know, and 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 I think that is one of the the big things that the companies really did figure out. Yep. And uh it also helps you gain access to a globally distributed right. workforce. Mm-hmm. At Quan Wellbeing, we have over 14 different countries represented mm-hmm. among our staff. Right. And, and they're the best of the best. I mean, you know, why limit yourself to saying, oh, we only have to be in X country or, you know, no, you know, now it, it is an HR nightmare. I mean, you know, there's all sorts of payment things that, you know, that, that gets a little. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be their legal department. No, sure. no. You know, I was talking with somebody about that just yesterday about the fact that, you know, when we have people working remotely, all of a sudden, st- even just in the U.S., state laws vary, you know, from place to place. You know, do you have to pay workers comp? You know, do you have what you are you, you know, as the company, are you having to decide, okay, we have to to do income tax for them in that state, all those various things. So, you know, those, I, I, you know, poor HR people during all of this, but, but yeah, it's just, I, I see so many benefits to being able to work remotely that I think, you know, many companies really are going to say, Hey, this is, this is just the way we're going to continue. Yep. Absolutely. Um, the only thing that's kind of a downside is that I got to make sure I get out of the house. I know. I live mm-hmm. my life right here at this mm-hmm. desk. Yep. And then when it's quitting time, mm-hmm. I turn the chair around, go over to that computer back mm-hmm. there and work on my other hobbies like music and DJing uh-huh. on that computer. Right. But the whole time is spent in this chair, mm-hmm. either facing this way or that way. Yep. <laughs> so, I know. Yeah, my husband will come up and say, "Time to go for a walk." Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and and I'll be honest, you know, I do miss the social 
aspects of getting together because I have not gone on an in-person networking event, haven't attended one since February of 2020. You know, I miss those people, but I don't miss the commute. Oh my gosh, here in in Atlanta, (laughs) Um, I, I laugh. I don't miss having to put shoes on. You know, I've saved so much money and so much time. And when I really thought about it, I miss those people, really miss those people. But did I lose business? No. So that was what it came down to. Because, of course, those groups are all meeting again. But it's like, no, nah, you know, I'm just I'm going to live my online life. But, yeah, you know, we do have to remember, get our little heinies out of our seats, go for walks, you know, do all of those things. See other people, even if it's just waving at them across a room, um, you know, or across the, the, you know, the park. It is good to get out and do things like that. Yep. So I have to make sure I do something interesting with all my evenings Mm -hmm. or I can fall into a pattern of depression from not having enough stimulation in social life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, there's just obviously the health benefits, um, you know, and and, we we don't need to have this computer light on us all the time and and all of those things. But. Well, oh my gosh, Bill, this has been so much fun. Boy, we covered, you know, a multitude of topics. And I always love it when that happens with my guests. Um, but tell us really how people can reach you and, and the services that you provide. Oh, uh, perfect. So the best way to get in touch with me is LinkedIn, where I'm linkedin.com slash in slash Bill Bolden, B-O-U-L-D-E-N. Um, I also run my own website at BillBolden, B-O-U-L-D-E-N.com, where you can put in inquiries for business and retain me for a power hour, VIP day, a fractional CTO ship, or any other package you might be interested in. Let me help you launch your next startup. Um, You can also find me on Twitter where I'm at DownUpright, but I talk more about my music and DJing on Twitter and less about startups. So only come there for me if you really want to learn more about my EDM and my upcoming Kickstarter. Cool. Okay. So what, what, what genre of music? Electronic dance music. Okay. Okay. Very cool. It's, you know, but my tastes vary. It actually varies depending on the day sometimes or the hour. I'm like, you know, my husband's like, what are you listening to now? Or the cats are like, Hey, this is fun. (laughs) All depends on my mood. But I would be very happy if anyone out there um, has an idea for like, oh, I always wish there was an app for blank. Cool. Get in touch. Mm -hmm. I can consult. Um, I'll lay out clearly the path Mm -hmm. and obstacles before you and give Mm -hmm. you a really realistic sense of what it will take to make your vision Mm -hmm. a reality. Right. And you make it so easy. On your website, there is this big blue button. We're here to help. (laughs) You know, somebody can't say, well, I couldn't get in touch with you. Yeah, exactly. well, this has been a blast being yes. on the Oh, yes, yes. Do you have any final thoughts you want to leave everyone with? I will share one more startup lesson that um, I want to reassure everybody about. People will steal your idea, but it doesn't matter because they cannot steal your execution. And ideas are cheap. I get pitched three to four new ideas a day. Execution is not replaceable. So um, when you come to me and you're like, you got to promise not to tell anybody, somebody else will make the pet rock app. It's like, I promise you, Facebook or somebody will rip you off. It will happen. 
what are you going to do in your execution and your go-to-market plan and your sales and hiring strategy to make sure that you are far enough ahead and best in class that it seems better to acquire you at that point than to rip you off. Right. I love it. I love it. Well, Bill, this has been absolutely fascinating. Um, And we have to have you on again, because this is obviously something that is always going to continue to grow and to change. So it'll be great fun to talk to you with the next, you know, steps as to to what's going on in the world. Um, You know, and and so I can't wait to, to do that again. Oh, thank you. I can't wait to be here again, Deb. It's been wonderful. Great. Well, I'm Deb Creer. I've been having a delightful discussion with Bill Bolden. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C-Suite Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.